Welcome to Centered Sunday with the Resilient Me and your host, Sheree Shai Holmes. And today came, today's topic came from a request of the tribe from the live um, video that I did on Wednesday, I believe, on Instagram. And we were talking about work environment and developing relationships and why you need to invest. And I asked if you had any other questions or wanted to know anything else, please drop topics below. So this one was a request of crafting interview questions that are for the employer. So questions you would ask them in the interview. Now, this is something that I think a lot of people overlook in the interview process. Most of the time we're super anxious and hoping that they hire us, hoping that they give us a chance and give us the job and let us prove ourselves. But I want to counter that thought and also say we should be looking to interview them as much as they are interviewing us. If they've got 10 questions, why do you have none? <laughs> so take some time, do the due diligence and figure out if this company is for you. So I posted something earlier this week, or no, this weekend actually, um, that was reminding everyone that when you're interviewing, you need to interview them too. Because the last thing you want to do is end up in a toxic work environment where you're putting in eight hours a day, plus the time that you spend anxious and dreading going to work in the morning and going home. Your mental health is extremely important. And if we ask the right questions in the interview, we can determine or at least discern or pick up on red flags that this organization might not be a good fit for me. So I'm gonna share with you some of the questions that I've used I've built my list up over time. Usually I only ask about five of these and because sometimes I can get a feel for some of these answers without asking. And sometimes I'm not able to, but because I've gotten better at interviewing, I'm pretty good at figuring out most of this stuff. So let's, let's first talk about the nonverbal stuff and then we'll talk about the verbal stuff. You want to pay attention to especially if there's hierarchy in the room. So if there's like an immediate manager and a regional manager uh, in the room or frontline supervisor in the room, you wanna pay attention to how they relate to each other and how they talk to their senior leader. Is it a condescending tone? Does it seem stiff? Do they seem like they're not connected? Do they seem like they operate in individual silos or does it look like they're cordial there's some camaraderie there there's encouragement and openness in the conversation between them that will cue you in on the culture of the office office culture is so 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 important and unfortunately that's not something that you can just flat out i mean you can ask what is your office culture but I mean, most of the time they're gonna give you some fluff, fluff answer. You can always ask it though and see what they say. If they stutter <laughs> and don't know what to say in response, I would say be forewarned. That's a problem if they don't know or understand their office culture. So I pay attention a lot to how the managers interact and engage with each other. I also pay attention to body language, 
um, eye contact and other nonverbal cues that they may be showing you in the meeting that isn't related to you, but related to those on their team. Make sure you get cued in on those exactly. Now, let's dive into some questions that you can ask. I have 10. So first, I like to warm them up. This is this is how I am. If you think of it about <laughs> like a circle, I start all the way out on the outer ring and then I work myself into the more juicy, what I would call juicy questions that help me get to a deeper understanding of the culture of the office. So the first thing you wanna do is ask, what does a typical day look like? That's the first question. What does a typical day look like? Now, why would you wanna ask this question? First of all, this also will cute like, let me just say this, and I'm pretty sure I've said this in previous podcasts. People are always expressing themselves. And if we take the time to really dial in to what's being said and not said, you can find out a lot more in the interview than what's being just displayed to you or what they want, let's say, what they want you to see, okay? Now, let me, I forgot to say this. I do assist on doing interviews and candidate selection, reviewing resumes and hiring and all of that. So all of my experience that I'm sharing with you this month is extremely current. Like even during the pandemic, we've done interviews and hiring. Um, so I, I do, I feel for everybody that's trying to interview via Zoom. I do get you. I totally understand the problems with that. But I want I'm here to help you interview them, okay? So we're gonna come up with some other things during the week. I think I'll do a live and talk about interview questions that you should be able to tackle very easily and how to do that. I'll probably do a live this week, maybe Wednesday at noon. I'm gonna try and stick to that schedule now. So if anybody wants to hop on Wednesday at noon, Central Time, you can probably catch me live. Give me some grace, grace period time though, like 12, 12, 10, 12, 15, you know, because tech doesn't always want to act right when you want to go live. Now, why do you want to know what a typical day looks like? First of all, you can find out what's expected of you immediately up front and figure out if that's good for you. Do they expect you to immediately come in and start responding to emails or returning voice messages or you have a team meeting every day at 8.30. These are the type of things you can know up front and figure out if that's something that fits with what you want. So I pay attention to those types of requirements and expectations that they're giving you in the job. Now, okay, let me, let me back up and say this. There's the job description and then there's the actual job. And there's many times that I'm pretty sure those of you that are listening right now can say, I got hired for one job, but it turns out that what I actually did versus what they said I was gonna do was definitely different. Like the scope was different, it was expanded, or I was required to do more than what they originally asked me to do. So that's why you wanna ask this question as well. So if anything comes up in this discussion, you're probably already familiar with the job description at this point, you can maybe ask some references to the job description and what the typical day looks like. Okay, number two, what are the most immediate projects that need to be addressed? Why is this question important? You wanna know what the most immediate projects are that need to be addressed because 
you are there to solve a problem. And so usually at the end of the interview, they will say, do you have any questions for us? And then you give your questions and then they respond. And this is a great way for you to tie in your skills and your talent to solving the problem. And again, this is a greater way for you to get more insight beyond the job description of what they need immediate help with. All right, number three, each question we're going in a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper. What types of skills is the team missing that you're looking to fill with a new hire? So you're basically asking, where do I fit? Where does this new person coming into your organization fit amongst the team? Because you want to make sure that there's space for you. Or if they're saying, we have someone retiring and we need someone to come in and learn the position, you know that you're going to be under sort of like a mentor or coach situation where you're being trained to take over someone else's job. Now, granted, we don't know if this person is being voluntarily retiring or being voluntold that it's time to retire. So that's something that you will have to take into consideration. Um, Being able to work underneath someone directly that will be teaching you, although you all are equals. Is that something that works for your personality? Is that something that you're willing to take on in, in a new position? Number four, what training programs are available to your employees? Okay, this question is so important, especially in the pandemic. Training has been drastically altered due to the pandemic. So our organization usually has a lot of in-person training that is basically been completely shut down. And so we've had to shift to more virtual learning, which is definitely not many people's favorites, unless you just don't like to travel. But most people prefer to do in-person training because it's more engaging, it's more interactive, and you get live feedback, on-the-spot feedback. So you wanna find out what does their training program look like now that a lot of people are working from home? Will you have someone that you can reach out to immediately that you can ask questions to? Or are they expecting you to just hit the ground running, throw this um, software system at you where you just log in and take trainings by yourself and you figure it out? Is that Does that work for you? Or do you like to be completely informed on what is expected of you in the job and you like official training? So there are organizations who don't actually have official training now that COVID is hit. And there are organizations that have official training, but they don't know what to do right now because their official training was an in-person training. So they're scrambling, trying to come up with a virtual version of that. So find out what that looks like and see if it fits your learning style. See if it fits your needs as being equipped to fulfill the job. I can't even tell you how many times a lot of organizations won't mention this in the interview and then you get on the job and find out like what you got you guys don't and you don't intend to train me i'm just (laughs) i'm supposed to learn on the job okay that definitely wasn't mentioned so now you you have higher stress and anxiety because you're just doing whatever some random person not random person but whatever some co-worker tells you to do you don't even know if they're doing it right you don't know if that's the best way to do it you're just following what you're being told 
And now you're being evaluated on something that you were never trained on. So you need to know if you're walking into that type of environment and how to best prepare for it if it's something that you want to do. Number five, are there opportunities for advancement or professional development? This is something that you want to ask in to have an understanding of what your upward mobility looks like, if that is something that you desire. So if you're looking to become a manager, a supervisor, a regional manager, um, a VP of some sort, you need to have a clear path on how you're going to get there. If you come in and you have no path, it's very easy to either be sidestepped by someone who has a clear understanding of how the system works and what direction they need to go, or you can pigeonhole yourself. And I think that's probably, I might do a whole separate live on what to do if you pigeonhole yourself into a job. But <laughs> I'd be here all day with you guys if I was actually talking about it right now. So this is one way to help prevent yourself from get, getting pigeonholed or sidestep for promotions because usually the people that obviously have been hired before you have a clearer understanding of how they can move forward. You don't want to waste a year or two trying to figure that out what everybody else already knows. So it's good to ask these questions up front and to know whether or not when you come when it comes to professional development, will they pay for extra training and certificates? So if it's like, you know, learning how to um I can't think of a specific search. Oh, for auditing, for instance, you can become a certified internal auditor. You can get your CPA, and a lot of times companies will pay for that and give you time to study on the job to do that. Some companies won't. So this is something that you can find out up front that could be of benefit to you in the long run. One thing, though, I want to say, make um, clear and understand that if they do pay for your professional development, sometimes they require you to sign on an agreement that says, if I leave before the value of my training has been given back to the company, I might actually have to pay for the training out of pocket. So know how long, you know, if it's a year of service, if it's six months um, of service that you can't quit until you've served that term so the company can feel like they've gotten their money's worth out of the training that they gave you and paid you for, then you need to be aware before you make those types of agreements. Also find out if they pay for the training up front, certifications up front, or do you have to pass a certain number of tests or pay for it first and then they reimburse you. Number six, can you tell me about my direct reports? What are their strengths and the team's biggest challenges? Oh, this one is so juicy. Especially if you're applying for like a managerial or supervisor position and even like I see a lot in the workplace that everybody could could be on the same page when it comes to hierarchy. However, you might be a team lead in which you guys are all getting paid the same, but you are the team lead. So those would still be your direct reports. So you want to find out what is the organizational layout of that and what are the best things about this team that I can look forward to and an honest hopefully honest representation of what the team is struggling with. Now, they probably will be extremely, <laughs> extremely surprised that you ask this question. If they fumble around to answer it, that lets you know they're not dialed into their teams. Either they're not dialed into their teams or they don't want to tell you the truth. Take it however you wish, okay? 
<laughs> that's a problem if they cannot articulate that or get stumped or start looking at each other like, what? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't manage them. <laughs> We're just throwing you in, lady. All right, number seven. How would you describe the work environment here? Oh, this is my favorite right here. How would you describe the work environment here? Is the work typically collaborative or more independent? Now, I would say for like a startup, grassroots type organization, they probably will say, yeah, we're totally collaborative. Um, but more often than not, if you're going with a newer company that's just been established, it's probably gonna be a hybrid of collaborative and independent. More so because they don't have the SOPs in place, the standard you know, policies and procedures in place for you to just you know, grow, build, train, all of that. So you're gonna be helping them develop a lot of those things. And that's something that you're gonna have to take into account. You might be helping them walk into uncharted territory. So knowing this in advance will let you know how much this is a good fit for you. Or do you wanna be in an environment of a company that's already well-established and I don't have to work so much independently? Or you might prefer to work independently because then you have a chance to shine and demonstrate your skills and competencies to your senior leaders and have an opportunity for promotion and greater development. So definitely make sure you ask this question. Is it typically, typically a collaborative or more independent work environment? Okay, number eight. Can you tell me about the last team event you did together, okay? I want to know, do you care about your employees? That's the reason why I asked this question. So if, that, if you don't care about that, then you don't have to ask this question. But I need to know because I hear a lot of corporate speak where they say you're a team, you're part of the tribe, you're one of um, whatever the company's name is, you're a member, you're an owner, whatever title, partner that they like to use um, to make it sound like you guys have this glorious culture. But when it comes down to it, what you say in your mission statement and what you say in your value statement should be trickling down to activities that you do in the organization. So if I read your mission statement, volume statement, and look at you know a few things that you guys have online, and then I ask you, after you said team and partner and tribe so many times, I ask you about the last team event you did together, if the manager sitting before you looks stumped or have to fumble around for an answer, then that tells you all that crap is just something they wrote on paper that sound good. Don't call us family if you aren't doing anything to promote family-like behavior in the office, you know what I'm saying? Like, who are you fooling? This is, we're not family. You just said that so that I can work harder for you. You don't really care about us or me. I'm just, you know what it is? They use this type of language to make you feel like you belong because humans, we love, we want to be, want to feel wanted. We want to feel like we belong, that we're a part of something for the greater good so that you can work for them as if they are family, that you have something that you can believe in. It's a tactic used to manipulate you and your working habits. But these types of questions will reveal what type of culture they have and whether they're using that type of language to manipulate your work behavior. All right, so 
this is another thing. If they can't tell you any official things they've done in the office for teams, huge red flag. Okay, huge red flag. Now, I will maybe give them a pass, a slight pass, because I've been able to work in organizations that weren't that great, but my regional manager, manager, and my team were, and I was okay. So this is another way you could say, oh, do the people in this office get together outside of work? You can ask that question as well. If they can't really answer the question about the last team event, if the last team event you guys did together was a year ago, a year and a half ago, no. Mm -mm. That's not enough to foster a family, tribe, belonging connection. It's not. These team type activities need to be happening, happening multiple times throughout the year. At the very least, quarterly. Goodness. Uh, I mean, my team, like, we have something that we do weekly, weekly, weekly. Y'all hear me? Weekly, okay? <laughs> so... It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Like my previous position, we did nothing. Nothing, y'all. Oh, wait, I take that back. We did Christmas. Yeah, we had a Christmas outing once a year. That's it. Nothing else. The team around, the culture, how we were managed sucked. <laughs> Not even exaggerating it was like the worst environment so again be mindful of that okay now here's another one we're now we're getting we're dialing it in even closer to getting answers about their culture and whether or not this is a good fit for you number nine what is your favorite office tradition this is so good again this is these are the kind of questions they're not actually expecting to come out of you so i can almost guarantee guys listen to me i don't even know how many interviews i've done in the last four years five years no one has ever asked this question no one no one and i can't tell you how many resumes i've looked at how many interviews i've sat in and i've never heard this question asked okay you gotta ask it because their response will explain to you what they value. If you have an office tradition that you have on, like my team, we do have an office tradition that happens on a weekly basis. Or we make it a habit that it doesn't matter if it's St. Patty's Day. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Easter. It doesn't matter if it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, all the easy stuff. We are usually having some sort of like potluck. Okay, I know those can be dangerous because you don't know how, if people can cook or not. But usually people who can't cook, they always bring packaged goods. That's fine with me. But that's one of the things that we like to do as a team. That's just what we do. So find out what their favorite office, to, office tradition is. So if you have three people, maybe only one person will respond. If you feel like you need a second answer because that first answer sounded a little bit sketch. Um, and they kind of mumbled and stuttered through it, you can ask the next person. So, Cheryl, what's your favorite office tradition? If she says we don't have one, mm. <laughs> besides our employee appreciation week, <laughs> all of that corporate speak crap. 
again, red flag for you. All right, and here's the last one that I love because again, these are, these are questions no one's ever asked me, but I make sure to ask them if I'm ever in an interview, is how has the company changed since you joined or since you were hired? This is question number 10. How has the company changed since you joined or since you were hired? This is gonna let you know how much change has taken place and usually these types of people in these positions are there for 5 to 10, 15 years, maybe even longer. So they should be able to articulate real change. If they tell you not much has changed or our technology has changed and it, it really isn't a whole lot, you got to think about it like this. The company, depending on when it was founded, but the organization could have started 60 years ago, 50 years ago. We don't know. Um, obviously, in, in, in tech and startup, <laughs> we, could, we could probably gauge how old this company is. But that is the mindset you have to think in terms of culture. If the company was founded 60 years, old, 60 years ago, you have to think like, okay, a, like, that person was might be in their 70s or 80s whenever they started this company. So a lot of that history and attitude that happened in that person's life and their beliefs and their understanding of society and how the world should work is instituted in the very bedrock and foundation of the company. And if you ask, how has it changed? and they don't have much to say in regard to how it's changed, that should tell you right there, red flag. I'm like, okay, this company is 50 years old. It's got a 50-year-old man mentality. <laughs> That's literally what I'm thinking. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, you want stability and you want foundation. Obviously, banks are way older than that. Um, some banks are like 90 years old, 100 years old, 80 years old. But you have to think that's layers of bureaucracy almost, so to speak, that people have gotten ingrained with the mindset of this is the way it's been done and this is the way it will always be. So it also gives you an opportunity to gauge like how much you ha if you have creative new ideas, like how much history you might be up against. You don't know. And you have to think about that. If your manager has been in this spot for, if or they've been there for 15, 20, 25 years, they've got some ingrained habits and obviously expertise and a history with a company and understanding of the products and services that you don't have. But at the same time, they're more likely to stick to what works for them. So you have to have a, an understanding of what you're walking into. Now, if your manager's only been there five years, seven years, you might have a little more wiggle room to affect some change in that office. And I'm, I'm telling you these stories based off, I'm giving you this information and advice, I should say these tips, based off my experience. When I've had to work with managers that have been in the job 25, 30 years, it's not always worked well when it came to creating change in the environment, even at 15 years sometimes. 
Um, but it, it does depend on the person. So let me say that there are some that are progressive, even though they've been there for a while because they believe in the company, they believe in the mission, they believe in the value and they're innovative, right? But if that is the case, you'll hear it in the culture and all the previous questions, all the other nine questions that you just asked. Let me give you some clear advice. You know how they take notes while you're talking and write stuff down? I, I usually have my questions written out and I have space in between all of them. I take notes when they're responding and I write stuff down. And then I have time to go home and think about, is this a good fit? And meditate on their answers. Like the job I have now, I ask this question about training, um, advancement, and professional development. I knew from the get, if I accept this job, there's a possibility that I could get promoted maybe three times, but two to three times. But after that, I'm going to get capped. I knew that. And I'm already at my cap. But if I thought it was um, a complete no deal, like if they didn't explain to me that I could get promoted at least two to three times, in my opinion, two to three times before I got capped, and I've seen other people just kind of get stuck and they don't get promoted, or they, they if they don't have the opportunity and all you get is what I call, the, well, not what I call, what HR calls COLA raises, the cost of living adjustments, um, and they might give you like 50 cents here for your raise, you need to have that going in so that you can properly evaluate if this is a good fit for you. If upward mobility and being able to move into um, a supervisor position is important, again, career pathing, understanding how far you can go in this position, what's available to you when you want to transition next. And if, if you're feeling real froggy, you can ask what what previous employees in this position have transitioned on to? And that also will give you, that's a bonus question, number 11. <laughs> what previous employees in this position transitioned on to? And that will give you an understanding of the career path of the next step, okay? So that is my top 10. I just gave you a bonus 11. I'm, I'm a winged-ish type of girl too, so I'll have my questions. And again, if I feel like they answered some of them already, I won't ask them. And I just kind of go with how I'm feeling in the interview and ask what I think is the most important to pull from them in that moment. But again, I want to encourage you when you go into these interviews, be prepared to interview them. Of course, you want to do your due diligence, understand the mission and value statement that's on the website. You want to reference something that you read or investigated or researched about the company. Yes, do all those things, right? Those are all things that you do to impress them. But I want to make sure that you roll in there with some real questions and have some real, you have a clear takeaway of whether or not you want to invest your time and skills there, okay? Because you cannot, you don't, we don't have time for you to get a job and be angry and upset three months in, six months in that you took the job and you're already looking for a way to get out, all right? You have one precious life, my love, one precious life, and I need you to value it. We spend way, we spend a lot of our time at work, a lot of our time at work. So we have to be cautious of our decisions and who we choose. It's, you got to think of it like dating. Interviewing is like dating, okay? The purpose of dating is to gather data. That's what they're doing on the interview. They're gathering data about you. Why are you not gathering data about them and committing to a blind yes? 
based off of some stuff they said on paper. If you do online dating, would you ever commit to a relationship with a guy based off of his uh, profile picture and description and a, and a one-time lunch with him? No, you gotta, you gotta ask questions, okay? <laughs> you gotta ask questions. All right, my loves, this is all that I have for you this week. Again, I'm going to go live on IG on Wednesday. I just forgot what I said I was going to talk to you guys about. <laughs> I Was it interview questions? I think it was interview questions. Okay, we're going to figure it out. Something. If it's, well, I got to figure out whatever it is I said I was going to do. I have stuff lined up for the month. So if it's not interview questions, interview questions this week, it'll be interview questions next week. All right. I love you. Let's say our affirmations. I am wanted, I am loved, I belong. All right, my beautiful queens, I will see you next week. Hopefully, if you hop on IG and give me a chat, and give me a chat. <laughs> Slide into the live and say hello. <laughs> All right, have an amazing week.